so for this video we have a lot to talk about in a little bit of time and we'll make it as short as we can because <laughs> it's midnight this is our midnight video so we're going to keep it short and sweet there you have it raven's nest vedic astrology podcast thanks for coming in please try and like comment subscribe if you can we'll have plenty of stuff to share and to enjoy with you guys but i'm going to spit out some words and hopefully you recognize them ashwini barani kritika rohini Mrigashira, ardra punarvasu pushya ashlesha maga purva falguni utra falguni hasta chitra Swati, Vishaka, Anurada, Jeshta, Mula, Purvashara, Utrashara, Abhijit, sometimes Abhijit, sometimes not Abhijit, Shravana, Danishta, Purva Bhajrapada, Utra Bhajrapada, Revati. This is your 27, sometimes 28, Nakshatras. Nakshatra, you may have heard this on our podcast already. We feel that it's necessary to, to make a series alone for nakshatras because it is a beautiful and fascinating part of Vedic astrology. Um, so let's get down to what is a nakshatra. So the etymology of nakshatra is... So it's two words divided, na and shatra. So na being not and shatra being destructible. So that which does not decay. Or naksh and tra. Mm. And naksh meaning approaching to worship, guard or protect, and tra, tool or instrument. So nakshatras are the tools or means of worship. Whoa. Um, you know, they're also mentioned in the medieval alchemical world, John Dee first talking about the sublunary world, hmm. so everything under the moon, and he was Queen Elizabeth's court astrologer, mathematician, um, extraordinaire. Hmm. And um, Cornelius Agrippa, who was also an alchemist and magician around 1500, uh, he said this about the nakshatras. In these 28 mansions do lie hid many secrets of wisdom of the ancients by which they wrought wonders on all things which are under the circle of the moon. So, what do the nakshatras have to do with the moon? Where I... Where I've connected the dots was understanding th these nakshatras as something similar to a constellation. Well, basically that's what they are, right? Um, and, and to get a grasp of what this has to do with the moon, it's worth us explaining that they are star clusters essentially within the zodiac so they're not all within the zodiacal constellations which is interesting in itself but they are a lot of them are a part of within 
the zodiacal constellations, right? In in the Western term. Right, because they would either be closer to the ecliptic or further from the ecliptic, and that's how Vedic astrologers measure it because everything here is related to astronomy and mathematics. Yes. A lot of what makes using nakshatras interesting is that in the ancient text, they're using nakshatras as basically measurements for the moon to measure the the moon and and its phase its distance its uh tithi as they call it in uh vedic astrology but so yeah the days of the moon as related to maybe you know the planting cycle um farmers used it most people followed the moon in ancient cultures and you know connecting this back to you know vedic astrology that's a big part of vedic astrology is the connection to the moon and the moon right. cycles and why is that important well from your question it's so hard to answer because i could give you like Ten different reasons that come to my mind. So maybe um, we can say how are they used in Vedic astrology, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple that I'll share if you want to hear them. And then you can tell me what you think. Go ahead. But these are what I've seen as mostly how we use the nakshatras. So they're used in muhurtas, which is, you know, the favorable timing. Relationship compatibility. Um, because that's also connected to one of the charts that we frequently use, which is a D9. And the nakshatras are connected to this chart. And the last one is the position of the moon in a certain nakshatra is really critical to rituals, um, mm. ancient times, sacrifices, and also naming children, right? Because the nakshatras have sounds related to them. So it's a deeper understanding um, it, it with gets, the nakshatras. It gets very metaphysical, right? Right, but it's also very mathematical. Yeah, would, which is like a, uh, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful symphony, if you will, of taking a spiritual thing and then somehow having a very logical um, background to it. And there you have astrology, I guess, right? Well, it's part of the the way that people lived in Vedic culture. Everyone um, was kind of good at different things. They understood the lunar cycles. You know, in India, people still know what tithis are important. And they understand what the nakshatras are. They understand, you know, the importance of the moon. And they know all about Saturn or, you know, Rahu and Ketu. But the nakshatras really do give a different um, level of understanding. Yeah, and the way I've started to look at it is that the the lunar zodiac or the nakshatras is the gateway to what it means to us individually as souls. And, And this is perfect for anyone who has not yet started to understand the differences between tropical the mainstream quote mainstream astrology or even just saying like i'm a virgo 
Yeah, exactly. Which like has I'm become, Virgo's son. become the sun sign way of interpreting things, and which is, I hate to say it, but it's very... It's kind of limiting, right? Yeah, and beginner level in, in the process of figuring um, the truth to, to your star mapping. So we're just going to take you extra... We're going to go the extra length. <laughs> we're going to yeah. make this fun and, and get right to it. So you have a western tropical system which basically is showing you the seasonal changes of the earth it's basically showing you um that there is a significance to the changing of the planetary motions and we relate to that as seasons but what western kind of fails to do or kind of make the point of is that no these stars actually are affecting you individually from soul to soul and that there is karma for each individual soul on this planet to go through and it can be traced to the moment of birth where your birth chart comes from right and where those chip land in the houses in the nakshatras boom right yes and i love what you were saying about having these these nakshatras were definitely used by Vedic, Vedic, um, like Hindus for their rituals, and this points us in the direction that timing is a, a lot of life. You have good timing for things, you have bad timing. And if you know what is really great, you know, um, for your own personal chart, then you can be even more precise at accomplishing your goals. Yeah. Um, you know, understanding how to accomplish your goals, perhaps. Like, maybe it's just about a career change or a location change. Or, you know, you look at your chart and you see maybe you'll do better in a foreign country, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you'll do better right in your hometown. Maybe you're meant to be in your hometown forever. Exactly. Um, but I, I really connected with a lot of the historical aspects of, you know, what was said about the nakshatras. Um, each one has its own kind of mythos. And those mm. mythos, if you understand those deities, gods, um, you know, those who preside in each nakshatra, maybe you say that then you understand what's going on in that little cluster. Yeah. Or even, you know, if you want to start looking at the the Rashi, the sign. You yeah. just look at the sign first and you think, okay, here's here's Taurus. Which one does the best? Is it going to be Rohini or Murgashira? But the best for what? Right. If you're Rohini, maybe, uh, you know, you're going to be making videos. Mm. If you're Murgashira, maybe you're going to own a brewery. Mm -hmm. You know, so it could be that simple. They could share a lot of the same traits. It could be interchangeable. But then you look at the moon for that too, right? So it all goes yeah. back to the nakshatras. It all goes back to where all of a sudden someone starts their business on a Swati moon, on a full moon, and their business is booming. It's going great. All of this influx of, you know, things such as that nature, you know. And they're all of these qualities that differentiate in the nakshatras. Ultimately, adding a dimension that we 
certainly have in in seeing the signs, but there's just a little bit more depth as far as these nakshatras, right? And where I found a great amount of um, interest was after reading the Brihat Para Ora Shastra, one of the older and more referenced texts in Vedic astrology. They kept using asterism in terms of the nakshatra, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to figure out. I didn't know what that meant. So I, I started to study that and figured that it does have loose terms as far as to what it is, but it is essentially um, star clusters. It's just another way of saying um, a grouping of stars. Um, and, and perhaps a lot of these clusters cross the boundaries of two or more, quote. So that relates directly to a lot of these nakshatras, which are all 13 and 20 degrees in length. Some of them cross in, in between two different signs, such as um, we have Dhanishta right now. It's within a portion of Capricorn and Aquarius. So it, it is always nice to add these these definitions to our our readings, making them much more intricate and personalized in a way. Because oh, you're a Danishta, awesome. Well, wait a second, what side are you? A Capricorn or Aquarius? Oh shit, you're Aquarius. That's not good. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, great energy out of either or. <laughs> so. Moving on. So, um, where do we first hear about the nakshatras? Um, David Frawley uh, says that they are mentioned in the Rig Veda and transmitted through an oral tradition, which was also how Ayurveda was transmitted mm. orally. Uh, a lot of the Vedas um, were transmitted from, you know, teacher to student, and you actually had to learn the sutras, so mm. um, you can find the Nakshatra Sutras set to music by Victor Kara, one of my favorite um, Jyotish astrologers. It's the original sutras and put to music, and that's how you would learn it back then. Right. Even with Ayurveda, when they teach it in India, they teach you the shlokas, and we don't really get the shlokas in America because people don't think that we want the Sanskrit. Yeah. But, you know, um, part of the words and their, you know, what they mean, and you'll see in Sanskrit, there's multiple definitions for the same things. Depends mm. on, you know, how you're using them. But they say the system was developed when the vernical, vernal equinox occurred in the asterism of the Pleiades. Mm. So when did that happen? From 2720 to 1760 BCE. So that was a long time ago. And the vernal equinox being a set point in April known as the start of spring. Right. And I tie in this. Sorry if I'm oh, no. interjecting. Go but ahead. in the Western world, you find that the vernal equinox is the set point of zero degrees Aries. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like giving a, um, a a position 
in the Milky Way that's considered the starting point for, for the Zodiac quote. And where we find the biggest, just, it's a screw up to me because it, it has shifted the calendars even, caused a shift in our, our time, as time as we know it, is not even what we think it is. And I'm not saying that in the cliche way of like, yeah, time's an illusion. No. It's no more like way. in a conspiracy theory kind of way. Yeah. Un- in a... <laughs> in a like question reality kind of way. Like, is time really what we think it is? Um, are humans as old as we think they are? And maybe... Maybe those yeah. two combined, right? But, but it's a good nature to question. And, and that's why we're here, really, because, you know, we want to know the deeper answers. And the nakshatras are the deeper answer to the signs. Right. It is. And and the beautiful thing is that this is not just all, um, you know, our channeling guidance. It is scientifically based, meaning that for us, we have studied patterns. We're seeing cyclical results. But... We observe the moon transits. That's a really important way to learn. Looking up at the sky at night to see the constellations and see if you can see the moon traveling through a different part of the sky, right? Yeah. That's a good way to experience the nakshatras. But to, to, for me, to, I have to rewind to get to the, to the point I was going to make about this as far mm-hmm. as um, where it ties into the Western now is that it turns out that the Western tropical system, they're not using the fixed position of the stars, meaning they're somehow like giving a general like um, uh, pie in the sky chart and then grouping this Like segment. a ballpark figure, right? Yeah. And then you take sidereal, which is what Vedic astrology uses. Sidereal, we're talking about the scientific calculation, the calculative yeah. repro- approach. And we're saying these stars right here, right here to this one right here, they don't move. They are in the same segment and they don't move. This The eye of the bull of Taurus, it doesn't change. The, the bull doesn't like lose one eye sometimes and then, okay, so Taurus isn't there anymore. No, Taurus is always there. Capricorn is always there. And so are these nakshatras. And so we bring this to, to make the, the point that now you have Vedic astrology, which um, has a completely different vernal point due to two different ways of looking at the stars. Well, it's because and, we're measuring the daily movement of the moon. Mm-hmm. Comparing it with the fixed stars, right? Yes. And we're understanding that the moon takes, what, 27.3 days to complete its trip around the ecliptic. Yes, exactly. So when you're using these measurements, you get a more precise answer to and, your query. And I, I am still tagging in on um, the Western view since we are using the Gregorian calendar to this day, curated by or, or sort of modified through the Julian calendar brought to us by Julius Caesar. And, and through our historical references, we have found that Pope Gregory knew of this astrological um, mishap because of 
grouping stars together not going by their fixed point that in 1583 in december on december 5th they were trying to cut out 10 days going from december 5th to the 15th um essentially this this what it did was create a, a just a bunch of confusion and a, a bunch of loud noise around what was really uh happening as to like as to why and all this but and we have a correlations to of course easter is we just had easter in in the u.s and easter is the first sunday after the first full month can't talk moon after the vernal equinox and so i come back to 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 make the point that well if our entire calendar system is off life as we know it may be a little bit out of cue i would say <laughs> now it's a far out there uh well if you're a precise person it's definitely gonna feel a little off right and i i think it's there's more logic there than what we may be making it sound like well it's also because you're taught in certain things in your culture right where you're told astrology is just some silly stuff that women do yeah silly girls like astrology or dumb people like astrology or it's just something you talk about at a party to get people to talk yeah right? just a bunch of either way people are, is what are a lot of people think are astrologers everybody likes astrology they like to study it why not get the correct information about the type of astrology that you might like mm. so that you can see if it vibes with you you know um you may not want to study Vedic astrology, but what we're trying to bring you is a little bit more of the factual information. I like the history of it, how we use it, just a logical approach to this vast subject. Yeah. It's so deep. It's, it's overwhelming, actually, but yeah, you can find the things that the are the most important of, of it. Basics, and as you may say. scoop to why we wanted to start this Raven's Nest podcast was that the fact that astrology is such a lifelong journey and and to think that we could really present it to you as our like our teaching is is a lot but for us to simply talk about it is is a whole um i think a whole like gem in itself and, and hopefully it's appreciated by our uh followers and and people who simply love to discuss the stars um a point that i didn't actually make though it's important to, to note this when discussing the vernal equinox is that this is a astronomical, you could say, um, it's an astronomical phenomenon due to the precession of the equinoxes, which is, if I had to really, you know, it's difficult to discuss science in such a normal sense, but the tilt of the Earth's axis and due to the, the rotation of all of our planets causing a um, cyclical pattern in our um, development as humans is not on a scale of year to year, it's on thousands of years. And our way of actually interpreting and measuring that is because of the vernal equinox. So there's That's these... kind of the crux of it, right? Is yeah. what makes the difference and if you want to explain what is the difference between Vedic astrology and Western astrology, 
how do you study it, this is one of the key points exactly. about and, that. And um, I was telling Christina this earlier, I would I feel as though an, an astrologer that also understands the astronomy is going to be a much better astrologer than than one who has not really got into to the, you know, because it's the, about placement, right, and timing. Yeah. And yeah. if you're studying all the aspects of the nakshatras, then you get to understand a little bit what they are. Because they're this really, um, I, I think it's a very interesting way to approach looking at a chart. Because you can just say that you're, you know, Virgo, Virgo. Taurus, Virgo, you know, whatever, and give all the signs of your chart. Maybe you have a lot of Virgo energy, but where is it? What's happening with that Virgo energy? Yeah. And if you just look at the nakshatra, you kind of get an idea of what's going on there. Right. And then you look at the patterns and you look at the placement and the timing. It's different for everybody. But what we do know is that each nakshatra has a fixed length it has a fixed place mm -hmm. and the moon is just visiting through each one and it's, it's and it might be really having a good time in rohini and it might feel a little bit uncomfortable and you know maybe maga it might not feel so good in maga but you never know you yeah. just right. measure it and you study it and you see how it affects you. Because yeah. that's part of this too is how does your chart affect you once you know it? Yeah, because, uh, the, you know, different lagnas are going to have these moons in different parts of their house. And so the entire lordship changes. But that's a whole different um, topic of discussion for me. Um, but yes, this is all very in tune with our understanding of Vedic astrology again and the grahas just studying the basics of the grahas understanding how important the moon is in yeah. Vedic astrology and studying the moon and the interplay of the moon and the sun that could even be another basic way to look at it how are they acting yeah mm right so that's just a few of the ways to use the nakshatras how to um understand them and how to apply them yes and we use or tend to use only the 27 nakshatras some systems use 28 which includes abhijit perhaps in one of our next episodes we'll discuss a little bit further Abhijit and what it kind of is about. Um, but please let us know where your nakshatras are placed if you know them. If you do not know your placements, please message us, comment, ask about where we can help you find further guidance in your life through astrology. Again, I am Brandon. This is Christina. We are Solar and Lunar Mysticism with Raven's Nest, and we'll catch you on episode three coming soon. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you.